This is The Exchange, humanizing commerce through post-purchase connection. Retention, brand building, and customer experience are the areas that we go really deep on on the exchange. So we're obviously really excited about today's guests because I personally think it's going to help on all three of those fronts. So, you know, how excited are you when you see a brand that you love partner with another brand that you love? I know that we get really excited about seeing brands do that. And we're always left asking the question of how do partnerships like that come together? So that's what we're going to be covering here today on The Exchange. And we have a guest who has both conceptualized, negotiated, and brought uh, partnerships like that to life more than a few times. So today we have Stephanie Bregman, who is the CMO of Manly Bands, joining us to talk about brand collaborations and brand partnerships. So welcome to The Exchange, Stephanie. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. We're so excited to be talking to you. I know, I know you and I have spoken before. We we sat on a sat on a panel talking about customer experience once. And I know we've been trying to get you on the podcast to talk <laughs> about some of this stuff. So um, maybe before we jump in and start asking you a bunch of questions, tell our listeners a little bit about um about Manly Bands, what you guys sell and sort of what you're all about. Yeah. So um thank you for having me on, first of all. Of course. Um just to give you a little bit of a little bit of background on on uh, Manly Bands. Manly Bands has been around for about four years, and they are the largest online reseller of men's wedding bands. Um, and just to give a little background of kind of how the company came about, um, the owners of the company, John and Michelle, are co CEOs, also husband and wife. Wow. Uh, you know, John was trying to get his wedding band. He had such a horrible experience going into the store and trying to find something that was going to fit him, uh, and then there was just like no options, and so. Uh, you know, after trying to figure it out, he said, you know, there's got to be a better way for guys to get like really cool rings. Cause at some point people thought, you know, they, guys don't care about wedding bands, but they do. This is something you have to wear for the rest of your life. So, um, so, you know, they came up with the concept of, of, of really cool wedding bands that are affordable, um, that are just really unique. Um, something that guys would get really excited about. So they came up with really cool materials like dinosaur bone and meteorite and antler and camo and wine barrel and, and the list goes on. So uh, they also have more traditional materials as well. Um, but we always just try to make sure that everyone feels that they have a ring that's special and unique to them. So honestly, marketing these type of products, it's it's a lot of fun um, because we're celebrating our customers at the happiest time of their life. Uh, and we want to make this easy for them. This is a weddings are stressful. I went through it 11 years ago. I don't want to ever have to go through it again. It's one time for me. Um, but if you do have to go through it multiple times, once, uh, you know, we're here for you, and we want to make that at least that part of the process a little bit easier. I love that because when I picked up my wedding band, like I wish I was looking at something like Manly Bands back at that at that time because I just picked up something like super last minute, and I feel like I should have put a little bit more thought into what actually got purchased. So I love what you guys are doing there, and. Obviously, what Tim talked about, we're going to go deep on brand partnerships. And before we go into like the tactics that you're using, Stephanie, I was hoping that you could maybe just give an overview of like, why should brands be looking at brand partnerships at all? Like what was Manly Bands trying to achieve at a high level by looking at some of these brand partnerships? Yeah, I mean, as our company started to grow, um, we started to realize that, you know, 
you know, it's hard as an e-commerce company. You're trying to make people understand that you you care, that you can you can bring them a quality product, you can provide great customer service, and, and you want to be able to build the trust. Um, and you know, sometimes companies will partner with other companies because they want to build trust. Sometimes it's more of just uh, you know, I, I kind of I, I laugh about it because I think it's almost like high school, right? You walk into a new high school and you want to have the cool friends, you know, and so you want to you want to partner with brands that are not only just big, but brands that are cool, ones that represent who you are as a company what you guys stand for and, and finding, um, you know, it's not just about, it's, it's really about just finding other companies that are like you that have similar audiences or a similar message and, and just really kind of riffing off one another and just finding that like symbiotic relationship or that organic relationship that make you guys kind of shine together as a, as a partner. That makes a lot of sense. And I mean, if you, if you find the right partnership and if you sort of nail, nail what that, uh, what the partnership is, what are some of the, what are some of the signs you'd see? Like, how would you know it's the right partnership? First of all, it has to be something that is, um, that is, that's organic. I would rather ha- see a company have one really strong partner than like 50 small partnerships because it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add any value. Uh, so for us, I'll give you guys an example. So when we first started, um, we were looking at, uh, we had a whole line of uh, whiskey barrel rings. Um, and then what we started noticing was a lot of our competitors were starting to copy what we were doing. They were starting to come up with their own lines of whiskey barrel rings. And, you know, we were using this authentic Jack Daniels whiskey barrel. And I said, you know, it'd be really cool to reach out to Jack Daniels. They're such a, they're such a large, they're a larger company. They hold a lot of clout, but they're really cool. They're they're a cool brand. Um, and so I said, if we have the whiskey barrel from their actual barrels in our rings and we can make this official and have like officially licensed products, um, it, you know, the brand brand helped us to elevate who we were as a company. It created that trust. It created a really cool factor to the product. And um, and, and yeah, and it just, it, it worked out really well. So I think in, the, in that specific situation, it was just the material that we're using in the product and the fact that the brand kind of stood for, you know, just really, you know, it was just a cool, a cool brand. And something had a big brand image that kind of helped elevate us. Um, and we saw tremendous results. I mean, it doubled our sales in that collection, like, uh, overnight. Wow. Um, and so, it, it, the, and it's not like we're putting Jack Daniels logos on all of our rings. You know, you don't have to go that far. It's, it's just about creating the concept and... Um, there's some really strong creatives that we put together with video content and and things just to kind of play off of their brand. And by taking what they're doing as a brand and what we're doing and finding that happy medium that connects the two together. Doubling your sales, that that's crazy. That's amazing to hear. And you're talking about the the partnership there with Jack Daniels. And it sounds like there was a natural kind of coming together there with the whiskey barrel um, rings and then Jack Daniels being such a strong and recognizable brand in that space. For our listeners who are trying to decide who to partner with, like, do you have any kind of tips or tricks or maybe like a mental model for like, hey, if you think about these things, you can then go out there and find the best brand partner possible? Yeah, I think you just have to ask, first of all, what are you trying to accomplish uh, with the brand? Uh, you have to understand, like, what KPIs are you trying to track? For us, it was about taking a collection that we knew was doing okay, uh, was doing well, but we wanted to really elevate it. So I think you have to have a reason as to why and figure out what, it, what are your KPIs for wanting to partner with them? What's the reason? Is it just brand awareness? Is it specifically growing a, a, your entire line, a specific line? Is it, a, is it more of a, you know, what kind of play are you looking for? So once you figure that piece out, that's the most important part. That's where you should always start. And then ask yourself, number one, do my customers 
care? Uh, do they like this? Because we may think it's a cool partnership and it may be, but there's no way to turn it into a product that makes sense and that can kind of come together. Um, and so a lot of times what we'll do is we'll do like really specific types of customer surveys where we'll like ask customers, hey, you know, this is a cool line. This is what it would look like. This is the description for the line. This is how it would, you know, because you need to give more specifics as to what the customers would see. And then ask them, would you buy this type of product? What would you be interested in? Look at look at what people are fascinated by and then kind of go after the partners that make sense organically. And there may be something customers love, but you're like, I can't turn that into a ring and I don't know how we're going to do it. Um, so I think you have to start with like, what are you going to do with that partner? You know, what are the concepts going to be? You know, we try to map that out before we even do the outreach. Um, because, uh, you know, the licensing process, it's time consuming. It's, it's, it's a lot of paperwork, a lot of financials, a lot of stuff you have to put together, business plans. Uh, it's, it's a lot harder than just like a quick, like sign up on a form. It's, it takes time. So you want to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row. So when you get the partnership, the last thing you want to do is be like, okay, now I have it. What am I going to do with it? That means you've done it backwards. So you have to really start off with the why. Make, makes a ton of sense. I mean, for you guys with the Jack Daniels partnership, I mean, the why was that you had already struck on something where from a product perspective, people loved it. And it was a way to separate yourself from the competition by, exactly. you know, legitimizing it by like you, you take your, your ring a level up because Jack Daniels is sort of the brand name in the space. And they've been a great, and they've been a great partner. Uh, yeah. I, I, how has it, how has it been from, from their angle? Because I mean, you, other than the wooden barrel, I mean, there's, there's very little connection between the two types of products. So how, how, how do you think they've, they've thought about it? So a lot of times the licensed partners, what they look for is they look for a brand to partner with to help them control the market. So there's a lot of companies out there like us that instead of going to them and getting the license, think that they could automatically throw the name of Jack Daniels in front of their product. Um, and you know, they have to control the license. And how do they do that by saying, sorry, we're only working with so-and-so, uh, they're the only company who's allowed to do this at the moment. So it allows, and then also allows us to kind of find those companies and say, hey, you know, we have the license to do this. They don't. Um, and then, you know, we can let Jack Daniels know. Um, we obviously don't have a lot of time to do that, but it really, it's, it's for the licensee's benefit to have a company that represents them in a specific segment. One thing that I have been getting asked a lot, and I don't actually know the answer to this, is like, what is the ideal size of brand to partner with? And like, should they be similar to you? So what I mean by this is like, sometimes I feel like, oh, if you pick like a huge brand and you partner with them, you get like all of these, like all of this marketing power behind it. Um, but my head sometimes goes to like, maybe if that brand is huge, maybe they don't care as much about your particular partnership. And then the follow-up to that is obviously with Jack Daniels, like that is not related to rings whatsoever. So you jumped into a brand partner in a completely different industry. Like, do you see that as more valuable than maybe partnering with someone a little bit more close to the products that you offer? Yeah, we ha and we have. Um, we've done a lot of like uh, contests. There's different kind of software that you can use and other companies out there where you can find partners that are similar size to you that want to do like sweepstakes, for example. And let's say that you want you don't want to have a huge brand partnership, but you want to do something like short term. The short term ones are good because it allows you to measure how successful those campaigns are to let you know if you want to go into a bigger campaign. So, you know, for example, we've done um, some short-term campaigns with companies like Man Crates, for example, uh, or we've done short-term campaigns with, um, uh, see, with Manscaped. You know, we'll do like giveaways and things with companies like that and try to see what can we gauge from that? Are we getting a lot of engagement? Are people wanting to sign up? Well, maybe this is a product that people really do like and we should do something more with that particular brand. Um, so, 
they may not be specifically in the wedding industry in, in those cases, but then there are also ones that are. So we'll work with companies, let's say they're on in like the tuxedo world or the bridal world or things along that line where we can kind of focus on the fact that our customer base is similar because we know guys are buying their bands at the same time that they're buying other things during the wedding process. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that you should really ask like how big should you go after a brand? It's really about like, What's the reason for going after them? If you're going after them for like a onesie, twosie, things like that, you can work with some of the smaller companies. I I believe that going after the bigger guys and focusing small first, so going after like a big a big fish and saying, let's do a sweepstakes together. It's not going to cause you too much problems. And we did that with, with Manscaped. We did a, a really cool giveaway with them and they're a much bigger company than we are. Mm-hmm. But it allowed us to see how their audience responded to us and how we, you know, how we responded to their audience. So I think that it's a really good opportunity for you to like, you know, I I always say like, no one really knows how big you are um, or how small you are. So, you know, I don't want to say fake it till you make it, but like, if you want to play with the big guys, sometimes you have to also kind of take that step and take that push to really um, think outside of like the, um, the business size you are and just kind of like shoot for the stars. Like what are they, what's the worst that can happen? The worst they can say is no. And um, what we did was we, instead of going through like an agency, we just like, you know, we're on LinkedIn, you know, using their sales navigator platform and just, and, and we're trying to contact people that we know that would be great in the licensing field for certain you know companies. Or if I was trying to reach somebody from a partnership perspective, I would follow them, follow their stories. And eventually you start making that connection with them as a brand. And then you start sharing ideas and then it kind of develops into something else. So it may take a little bit longer with the bigger guys, but don't be afraid to start because it does take time. There's a lot more red tape there. I mean, it sounds like if you guys have started with some of the big fish, I'm sure you've done some of the bigger guys, maybe some of the companies that are around your size. Like you have like Jack Daniels, they're huge. You have Manscaped, they're pretty big. It sounds like you guys are maybe a little bit smaller. I would assume you've gone through the ringer from like a negotiation perspective or like what do you even bring to the table? That's a place I'd love to dig into like how you actually partner with them. So like when you when you go into I don't even know if a negotiation is the right word for it. Uh, I mean, maybe you can talk us through it, but like, what does that conversation look like between you and a brand? Like, what do you bring to that conversation and and how do you sort of navigate that? Sure. So uh, one brand that we just got a license with that we're launching um, April 1st is Major League Baseball, an MLB license. Um, Cool. I'll back up on that a little bit just to explain. People are going, Major League Baseball and rings, we don't get it. Um, So one thing that we can actually make the bats out of is, is, is like the same kind of wood material that you get out of a baseball bat. And so what we've done is we've designed this really like classic looking rings uh, that have a little bit of like an homage to like a guy's favorite sports team. So like Alex, when you were talking about, Hey, I've, you know, I've been married before and I got a ring and, you know, I wish I knew that you guys were around. There's a lot of people, especially guys, for some reason, they don't realize that they can get a second band. Um, women get up, ring upgrades all the time. So we have like this funny thing that we always talk about. We always say like, don't get a divorce, just get a manly band. Like you can still <laughs> come back and get another band. These things are affordable. And if you didn't love your first ring, my husband didn't like his first ring. Um, and when I started working for manly bands, I said, it's finally time you can get a new one. He looked at me, he said, am I allowed to do that? And I said, of course, you're allowed, of course you're allowed to do that. So I think that, um, you know, MLB came about for that reason, because we think that guys who have really, 
really strong loves for their specifically in this in this case baseball teams. Um, it would be a really cool gift for like a wife to get for their significant you know for their husband or for a husband to give to their husband. I think it's a really cool gift to give someone who's a huge sports fan um, to have like their team logo like on the inside of the sleeve of their ring. So it's kind of like a little hidden secret That's cool. um, that they know about, but it looks like a classic ring on the outside, and um, it's just something kind of unique and special and. Um, the way when you look at things like MLB and we look at things like Jack Daniels, it's not really a negotiation per se. Um, that, you know, you don't have as much room there. So typically, they have licensing fees that they've set aside, and they have certain minimums that you're expected to hit. As long as you've hit those minimums, there's no really additional fees. Um, so as long, that's why I say it's really important to have a game plan and to know how you're going to launch, what kind of products you're going to use. Um, how much do you think you're going to be able to sell? Um, because that all kind of goes back to what the minimums are. Because the last thing you want to do is partner with a company and then have to pay like ten to twenty thousand dollars in fees or or more um, when you've sold no product. So you really want to make sure you have the infrastructure set up to be able to sell these products uh, before before you get there. Um, because there is a little bit of risk there, and uh, the licensee wants to make sure because they don't want to go through all this work to work with like a small company that just drops the ball and doesn't sell anything, and they've gone through all the the paperwork and the work to get you kind of onboarded into their program. The MLB rings. I, I, I love that. And when we first started talking about this, like I was like, Stephanie, you got to tell me more about this. Cause I feel like that's like a weird thing <laughs> to have on your band, but like just the, like the tribute on the inside. Cause like, I'm trying to think of how I would pitch my wife that like, Hey, I want to get a Toronto blue Jays wedding band, <laughs> like maybe as, maybe as a second gift, but yes. I, I feel like that would have been a hard sell if it was just Toronto blue Jays all over it. But they look, they look really, really sleek. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm from Boston and we are the most, I think, obnoxious baseball fans in the world. So I can just picture every, <laughs> I can picture every single one of my guy friends who did the same thing as me of like, I went to a jewelry store. I looked at like three rings and I was like that one. And that was it. But if like me or all of my friends had the option of like putting, I don't know, putting like the socks B on the inside of it or like exactly. Celtics for the NBA or something eventually. Like I, th I think I could have talked my wife into it, but I certainly would have gone and looked into it because, because awesome. again, like for, for, I mean, I'm, I know I'm telling you something you don't, you, you already know this, but like guys don't put a ton of thought into rings because there's nothing you put all 99% of your time goes into your wife's ring or your husband's yeah. ring, but the one for yourself ends up just being a little bit of an afterthought. So 100%. I'm, I'm really curious to see how that does. And we should talk to the guys at baseballism, Alex, because I think they'll go nuts over something like this. We may, we may have some fun engagement on like how many rings sell Boston versus like, you know, let's do like a Yan yeah. Yankees versus Red, Yankees Red Sox, Sox and see which one sells more. There's your campaign. Yeah, I think I think we have got some fun ideas there. I mean, there's a lot to do with it. I think I think that's the idea too. Is like we look at the brands and we say, what can we? You know, our brand, Manly Bands, is a kind of like a unique brand. Like we we poke fun at ourselves. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Like the whole Manly Bands concept. We try to, you know, our brand is very witty. It's very fun. So we try to have that. Like with even the campaigns that we create when we partner do our partnerships. Like what can we do to make this really funny? Mm -hmm. What can we do to make this really fun? I mean, we've seen people get married on baseball diamonds. Like there are diehard baseball fans, and like. This is the line for them. And our goal is to create a line for every kind of man, no matter their, no matter their race, no matter their background, no matter their, you know, no matter their sexual orientation. Like we want every guy to have a ring. Um, and, that, and that's just to say too, a lot of women wear our rings too. Really? Um, now, I don't want to leave that out there. We also have a lot of women that do wear our product. Um, 
we, we just want to ring for every kind of person because we feel like there's been a void in the market for guys uh, when it comes to at least the wedding band. For so long, everyone said they don't they don't care. And we, we can prove to, through what we've done in the past four years, we can show you that that is not the case. And yeah, it's just it, these brands allow us to kind of elevate the things that we were already going to do and just make them a little bit more fun. And, and look, if, if your wife doesn't want you to have the baseball band, you know, like maybe you get it as a secondary band that you can wear on your like days out when you're going to the baseball games or whatever it is. But um, you could always have more than one. And this just gives you a reason for that. I love that. And so I th- you alluded a bit to this earlier in the conversation, but say like I've, I've followed your tips and I've identified who I want to partner with. Who should I be looking at at that brand to talk to? Like, is there a specific like job title or like department that I should be looking at? Like you were talking a bit about like, hey, f- start to follow some of these people, have the conversation. Like once I identify the brand that I want to go after, like what would your tip be for getting in front of them and like starting that conversation? Yeah, the bigger companies, usually there is like, with, with regards to licensing, there's usually someone who's like a director of licensing or someone who's like the head of licensing, whatever their title is. And that's usually what I'll do is I'll, I'll follow them. I do want to preface this though. With once you once they do send you over the paperwork for licensing, read through it. Sometimes certain licensed partners will ask you for things that you may not have. Sometimes, for example, they may ask you for um, they may ask you for like audited financials, and you may not be big enough to really have your financials audited at that point. So like it's it's something that you just have to think about. And then also you may go through all the work of filling out all the licensing information and everything they ask and everything is perfect and they may not accept you. It doesn't mean that just because you have the license paperwork that they're going to accept you. So you just have to be really patient with the process um, and and know that it's just going to take time. And it's almost, it's it's really like um, if you've been in the, in the sales world before, it's, it's just, it's kind of like a game of numbers. It's coming up with concepts and ideas and throwing things out there and seeing What's gonna you know what's gonna work, but you have to do it with data. Mm-hmm. Who in, internally who owns coming up with these partnerships? Is it is it you? Is it someone on your team? So it's it's kind of a dual role where I personally will work with our products team. So we have a team that that does all the research when it comes to coming up with new products and ideas, and I'll work with them to do like the surveys. There's a back and forth. There are times when our and this is not just me. This is my entire marketing team. We have our own like ideation kind of calls. We'll talk about concepts and ideas and things because what happens is their ideas can come from both sides. So what happens? We'll find sometimes customers. We have um, a line that you can create of your own custom ring. So let's say there's something that you want to create that we don't have yet. And I'll, you know, we'll look at that and go, these are really cool. We should have a line of rings for this. So we like recently came up with a line, we're we're coming up with a line now, but we have one ring that came out that's doing really well. That's wine barrel. We used to have whiskey barrel. Now we're doing wine barrel, which has like a really cool, like purplish kind of color from the wine sitting in the barrel. Um, So things like that, or somebody had come up with the idea on the custom side of, of a ring that had a guitar string that ran through the middle of it. We're like, oh, how cool would it be if we partnered with like Fender or like a company that like had a really cool brand image where we can kind of go back to them and say, hey, let's use the wood from the guitar and let's use your string or, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes it stems from customers. Uh, and the customer's ideas and concepts and how can we grow from that? It comes from surveys from our product team and things that they're able to find out from what's going on in the market. And then that comes from the marketing team where the marketing team comes up with ideas and thoughts. Um, it's important for me to say that to communication between departments is 
beyond important in this process. Um, it can One department cannot make these decisions alone. So once the marketing team says like, hey, we have these concepts, we put them down on like on, on like a spreadsheet. We share them with the, with the, you know, with our product team. We have them do their research. We come up, we work with our creative teams to come up with the concepts of what the rings would look like. What kind of language would we use for it? What kind of products would there, you know, would we, you know, would there be for this kind of line? Um, and we share those responsibilities between the departments because we all want to be, we're all part of it. Um, no matter who comes up with the concept, whether it's product, whether it's customers or whether it's marketing, it's just, it, it's a cohesive um, circle. I always like asking questions like that. This beca- like that because we have so many. All of our listeners are brands who are really similar to to manly bands. Maybe not the same industry, but like they're all trying to figure the same stuff out. So we appreciate you like giving us kind of the inside scoop on like organizationally how some of these th- these things come together. Because I know like for myself, if I'm listening to marketing podcasts from like uh, some a practitioner in marketing, I just want to know. Everyone everyone wants to know like what's the template, what's the playbook, um, how do I learn from another brand who's done it, and I'm. Maybe maybe aside from partnerships specifically, are there other brands in e-commerce that you look to for inspiration or, or that you're sort of inspired by the way that they market? Yeah, um, I the brands that I love are the ones that are kind of, when I say similar to us, they're B2C companies that have, usually they use humor or they have like a witty way with them. Their products are nothing like ours. You know, companies like Manscaped or Squatty Potty or Purple Mattress. I look at those companies. The best commercial I've ever seen, Squatty Potty. Yeah. And and you'll kind of see that if you ever watch the Manly Bands commercials are, you know, we try to have fun with, you know, with what we put out there. I mean, everywhere from our commercials, even with our customer responses, we have like a comedian that handles all of our social posts. We we just, we want to have fun. So when I say I like, I look up to those brands, I... I think I respect what I respect about them. Respect about them is they took something that existed before, something like you know, like a, a, man, a men's shaver, or they took something that uh, obviously an ele- and they elevated it, I should say. But they took something that existed and just and and they were able to take it and really just create a whole new space for something that was already there, just not done very well. And I think that's what I loved about, I love about those brands. And um, I follow a lot of their posts online. I follow them through social media. Uh, again, because we don't sell products that were that are anywhere near the same. Um, but I love what they're doing. I love the messaging. I love how even Purple Mattress, they were able to take a, a product uh, that everybody has to buy every 10 years and just made it cool. And, um, and that's kind of what we try to do with manly bands is like, I feel like we have such unique products, such cool, such cool concepts. Um, and so to me, it's all about, uh, and, and, and to her entire team, it's about customer experience. Um, and so, so if the products are cool, that's great. Customer service has to be spot on. Obviously that's, that's like a no brainer, but we also want to make sure that like the experience they have on our seeing our ads is the same experience they have when they come to our website. And it's the same experience they have when they get that cool box at their door and they open it up and it's like, you know, here's your badass ring. Welcome to the Manly Bands family. You know, we want, it's, it's just about like creating like a movement. Um, and just saying like, we don't want to, you know, we, we don't want to follow the, the way that other companies in our industry have been doing things for this, for the, for this, for this long. Like the, the fact that we, a four-year-old company has grown this much over the past, you know, over the past, you know, four years, we really have just, we've proven out the concept that there's ways of marketing to customers to, so that they understand that we, that we really care about 
every part of the experience. Um, not, you know, we don't just sell you the product. And you'll see, like, even with post-purchase, once we're done, uh, once once someone does buy a product from us, a lot of times they don't always come back. And so, you know, having them tell, tell you know, having them share their content, whether it's through social media, that user-generated content is important for us. It helps bring bring new customers. Um so it's just, you know, we do, we, we treat our customers like we would our family. And I, lo- I love the way you wrap it all together. And like, even everything we were talking about earlier with the partnerships and the collaborations, like it all plays together, right? Like it's all creating this movement. It's all creating this way of thinking, this way of feeling. And Manly Bands has a fantastic video on their website that kind of rolls all of this together. So I'm going to make sure that I link that in the show notes so everyone here can check it out. Um, but Stephanie, I think this is a good spot to wrap. So I'm going to do my best to try to summarize everything that you talked about. Sure. So when you're looking for these brand partnerships, like try to find places or brands that you're able to partner with organically. The story feels similar. What they stand for feels similar to the values that you have as a brand. When you're picking that out, start with the why. Start with some of the KPIs that you want to um, address or improve by working with that partner because there's quite a process once you get there. So you want to make sure that you've done that work up front. Um, even if you're going to go to a bigger brand, maybe from Stephanie's advice is maybe you start small. You smart start with a small ask, like a giveaway, before you ask for a bigger type of partnership. There, um, if you're looking for the person at these um, other brands, like look for someone with a head of licensee licenses or director of licenses um, type of title is the person you probably want to be talking to, and customer experience is a big part of this. Like making sure that the partnerships that you end up picking, they have the same story and the rest of your team knows what you're up to too. So in your case, the product team working with like the MLB, the MLB rings or the Jack Daniels rings, like there's a through line there that everyone needs to be on the same page about. I hope I did an okay job of summarizing the last 30 minutes there. I'm I'm impressed, Alex. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Um, before we let you go, though, Stephanie, is there anywhere where our listeners can interact with you, LinkedIn, Twitter, a blog, like anywhere where we can kind of shout you out a bit? Yeah, if you want to uh, um, send my LinkedIn uh, profile uh, URL on, on there, that'd be great. Uh, please feel free to reach out to me there. Um, that's probably the best way to, to get me. And I'll, I, I usually try to respond back within 24 hours. I'll be happy to help with anybody who has any questions. Awesome. And we'll get all of the brands that inspire Stephanie, some of the examples that she gave. We'll make sure that's all in the show notes for all of you. And Stephanie, this has been amazing. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. That's been The Exchange, presented by Loop, the returns platform for Shopify. Thanks for listening.